Hello, everybody. Welcome to Deliver More, presented by the team here at Intech Services. Uh, I'm Nick. It's back to school season. It's September. And I'm thrilled to welcome back Mike Patterson. Mike, how you doing today? I am doing great, Nick. It's good to be back after a small hiatus this summer. So yeah. it's, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to, to have a good discussion today. How are you doing? Um, I'm going to... I'll be able to tell you in about four to six weeks, Mike. Uh, so I'm going to put a little delay on that on that news there. Now, I, I'm excited to talk to you. It seems like you and I hadn't done this in, in forever. And um, this is really uh, interesting to me because um, something's going on. And I'm, I'm glad I'm, I got you here to explain it to me. Um, everything seems to be like it's on a delay, Mike. It, it's crazy from yes. if you're a homeowner, doors windows. If you're going to buy a car, you might not be able to drive off that lot for quite some time. Um, it seems like the entire country is running on island time. And I, <laughs> you know, we have a legitimate global shortage uh, of goods and supplies. But the idea or, or the, the finding the solution to how we got here uh, is something I'm going to need your help with, because um, can you make it make sense to those of us who aren't working with the various supplies that need to meet this insane amount of demand right now? How did this happen? <laughs> the that's the question that Sorry a lot of people fire yeah, one down there. Yeah, it's like firing a cannonball at me right out of the shoot. <laughs> you know, this is this is an episode that you know we talked about doing, and I was hesitant to do it because I didn't think there was that much to talk about as it relates to supply. But then as we started sketching it out, and I know you and Francesca were pushing me to to really do this one, and there's a lot to say. So I'm like, your question is good as far as you know, how did we get here and what's happening and that kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's tough to say, cause there's so many factors at play. And sure. I, I was trying to like kind of recreate some stuff in my head and, and trying to piece things together over the last six or eight months to figure out how we got to where we are today. And I ran across an article from the wall street journal in June. It was called something about like how I'll tell you what the name was. Cause I wrote it down. Um, how the world ran out of everything. Absolutely. And it was a really great article in terms of just giving it a nice, succinct summary of what's happening out there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's really about five factors that are all weighing in together. First, there's an increased demand from post pandemic economic recovery. So businesses are, you know, recovering, people want more stuff. So there's more demand. Okay. Uh, workforce numbers are down. I mean, we see that everywhere from whether it's a manufacturing facility to a restaurant to anywhere you go, there's job wanted, uh, you know, help wanted signs out there. Uh, there's a big delay in global transit times. And, and there's a lot of documented articles about, uh, you know, container ships sitting off the ports of you know Long Beach and New York and New Jersey and overseas and and so that delay and just moving stuff around you know across around the world is is causing problems in terms of just getting things where they need to be on time. Right, and if there, well, in my experience, when there's a you know a scarcity of goods and supplies, Mike, when yep. you when you start to see that and recognize it, in whether it's the newspaper or the stores, and you can't find you know toilet paper or whatever, whenever mm. there's the emergence of that kind of scarcity, I start to see other things emerge. It's like the people you see at the gas station that are filling up tank after tank after tank right. of their of their gas, like they're going to be in the the pit at Daytona. Um, do you find that? In, in your business too? Yep. Stockpiling is an issue. 
for yeah. sure. I mean, and we we see it as it relates to some of the coatings, um, particularly some of the Teflon coatings where we've had some difficulty in getting getting materials in. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, we see we see signs of it. And that's something we try to guard against, frankly. I mean, we you know, it doesn't help anybody if if there's not enough available material to keep things going. So if, we, if so, for example, I mean, we've got 30 years of sales data basically sitting here at Intech. Yeah. And if we know somebody is a four gallon a month user and they come in and buy 40 gallons, then we're going to ask about it. And just not that we don't want to sell the 40 gallons, but sure. do they really need the 40 gallons? Because more than likely there's probably five or six other customers that also could use four gallons or eight gallons to help keep their respective jobs and businesses going. So stockpiling is definitely something we see. Um, and it's, and it's the nature of the beast when there's scarcity, like you said, whether it's gas or toilet paper, it's, it's a, it's a function of shortage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as, as far as, uh, locally, can you can you explain how this is is working at, at Intech and Camorra? Like you said, there's no remedy for this global issue, but right. your years of experience in the game have to have to help navigate these rough waters a bit. You know, there's a lot of experience, but there's I've never I've been doing this since 1995, and I've we've run into some downturns like in. 2008, 2009, there was an economic downturn where just everybody was slow and you know, demand was really low. There was a material shortage in, I think, 2012-ish to maybe 2015. Um, and that was related to one raw material that was mined out of China that nobody could really get their hands on. Wow. So, you know, that sort of thing happened. But that was a relatively short-term deal. That was like a, like, three month thing. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I've, we, nobody really has experience in dealing with this Mm -hmm. where it's a, um, a widespread across every industry, across every product, like you said, whether it's construction materials or, um, food or cars or you name an industry that something's going to be short. And so, um, I, you know, experience doesn't help a whole lot here. The, The biggest thing that we're relying on is communication. And, yeah. and bottom line is I've, I've never probably, our team here has never spent as much time as we do communicating both with Camores to understand what's happening uh, with our, with our, our orders that are on their books, as well as with our customer base. So I kind of want to dive into both of those to kind of okay. put some more color on the picture of, of the things we do. So let me start on the Camores side. All right. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, the underlying issue here is everybody over the, I mean, think about it, the real issue is everybody's used to just-in-time delivery. So oh, if yeah. you're a manufacturer or, and whether it's the Camorra side or a Teflon coder, your goal is to hold as little inventory as possible, get things out the door, get it moving and keep this, keep the supply chain running. And so these manufacturers and all our customers have gotten really good at doing that over mm-hmm. the last, you know, 10 years probably where they're really timing incoming outgoing materials, reducing inventory, reducing waste, all that kind of stuff. And so when you have a lean supply chain like that, when there's an interruption in the supply chain, it throws everything into a massive tailspin. So that's really what we've seen. I mean, so if, if you, if I step back and take a look what's happening and what we do um, at the Camorra side of it, you know, they make lots of different products out of the fluoropolymer in the fluoropolymer family. There's the coatings that Intech handles, but they also make resins and dispersions that are handled through fluorogistics. So they have a lot of products that are based on fluoropolymers. So I'm just going to obviously focus on the coatings end of it because that's where, sure, that's what we care about. Right. Um, so there's hundreds of different products that we sell. 
that rely on probably thousands of different raw materials. You know, I don't even know. I mean, but if you look at every coating that's out there, um, and let's just, I'll just talk through an example. Let's say a coating has 20 different materials that are in there. And these, these materials are things like, you know, like the resins and the fluoropolymers, but there's also um, things that help the coating stay a coating, like in its mm -hmm. wet, or powder form or solvent form, um, mm -hmm. things that help it cure out like flow agents and things like that to help it go from paint into coating form. And those things burn off during the cure process. And then obviously materials that are in there that help it perform like maybe hardeners or ceramics or, you know, obviously color pigments and corrosion inhibitors and all kinds of things like that. So there's a lot of ingredients that go into a, any given gallon of coating we have. And um, so from the Intex side, you know, we, we place, uh, we have a forecast with Comores that we basically a year ahead of time, they know about what we're going to order month okay. in, month out across all these different products. And so on our side, we have Elena and Monica and Chris Lord and I work closely to try to really keep that as accurate as possible. So we put a forecast in a year out and then every month we modify it and, and update things as we as we learn more about things that are happening in the market. So for all you out there, all you <laughs> listeners and viewers, this is why we ask so much about what's happening with your business and what's happening with particular jobs that utilize our codings because yeah. the sales team is gathering that info and then feeding it back into our team internally. So then we'll modify our forecast and we'll modify our hard orders with Camores so that we have the right amount of material. So we don't have too much of one product because we were off or too little. And that's the main thing. I don't worry about being over on a product. That's just extra inventory and I'll sell that off. Okay. Being short is where there's a problem. We never want to be short. So I, we always err on the side of having too much, but that's why we do that. That's, we spend a ton of time. And, you, and if you're out there listening, you know this because you've heard our guys call and ask, you know, <laughs> what's going on. And, and that's not because we're being nosy. It's because we want to be a great, provider of materials and on-time delivery and, you know, next day shipments of products. That's our goal. So we put a ton of effort into that and feed a ton of information back to Camor so that they can manufacture products accordingly. Um, at the same time, you know, we're trying to, like I said, gather that information from the customer base to keep everything accurate. So that's really what's happening behind the scenes on our end to, to keep this going. Um, and, but here's what's happening in reality. In a perfect situation, 95% of the other time, you know, every other year that I've done this, that works. <laughs> what we're seeing this year is a lot. We talked about um, material delays, you know, raw material okay. delays, longer transit times, um, manpower shortages at the manufacturing plant. We've had equipment breakdowns happening to us this year. Um, and then so a piece of equipment breaks down. Normally you can get it up and running in a couple of days. Oh, now the replacement part's not here. And that's taking time. So we've had issues like that. Um, if we have 20 different raw materials that are due in for a coating, we'll have 19 of them and we have to wait for one or two or something like that. And then that one or two comes in and maybe we're short on another one because they use it to make a different coating. So we've had a lot of issues with getting the right materials aligned to actually start the process. Um, then we've run into issues that we've never run into before with things like uh, packaging delays. Uh, I know uh, a few months ago, all of a sudden, the, the, the supplier that provides the five-gallon pails mm -hmm. didn't have five-gallon pails and, and because there was a shortage on the aluminum. So things like that I've never seen happen in my career that have all of a sudden happened within the last six months. 
unbelievable. Yeah. And then here I'll top it back off. The last thing, the cherry on the cake is the transit delays. So, you know, things normally we're two hours from this in New Jersey where the plan is. We're two hours from there. We've had to take two days to get us or three days to get a truck into our facility with our material. And then as we ship it back out again, we've seen that, you know, what normally maybe if I'm going to the West Coast, it's usually a four or five day lane that okay. sometimes we've seen that take 10 days. Um, so, you know, just delays on that end. So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's coming from every direction. And that's the part that, you know, you bring it back. I mean, you said, what experience can I bring to the table to help with this? There, it's hard. It's it is really hard because be. there's, there's not, there's not one thing to resolve. It's a litany of things to resolve combined with the fact that demand is soaring. You know, if it was a down economy and we had these problems, it might not be so bad. But yeah. given that the economy is booming, it's just exacerbating the problem and making it harder to dig out of the hole. You know, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse to people and you're like people like you that we live in a uh, very much an Amazon Prime reality, right? Where if I don't yeah. have the thing I want, I'm going to have it in two days, man. And we're right. all kind of conditioned and used to that now on some level. So it's got to be really, really hard for people to understand this is how the supply chain works. But man, one little thing. I, I experienced that this summer trying to look for a car. I didn't know that the delay in getting a car was caused from a chip, right. a tiny little chip, a great shortage of those things slows down everything. Um, and it, it, it's a lot to adjust to. So. Yep. And that's a good example. I mean, something, you know, Teflon coating is used in the manufacturing of semicon chips. So, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's a small part of the manufacturing process, but it's a necessary and required part. So when there's a shortage that can throw that whole thing in the, in the disarray um, or something like, uh, here, another good example, um, a ball valve for a nuclear submarine is coated with Teflon. Mm -hmm. So something like that, a sensitive application, we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that those that use a coating like that for a sensitive application and a critical application, that they have material, if at all possible. So there's, it's, it's a... It's a sensitive area and it's one that requires, like I said at the beginning, a lot of communication and a lot of understanding between us and our customers and then information that we can then feed back to supply chain to, to essentially prioritize sensitive materials. Hey, you know, I spend a lot of time on the sales floor. I hear your guys on the phone and it seems like, yeah, I know that they're always gathering market data, but it seems like the, your team has been forced to become uh, problem solvers in a new, in a way that they never have before. So I want to ask you a little bit about um, the pivot Intech's making here. What, what is Intech doing to respond? We've got the state of affairs covered. We do understand what's going on globally, but as far as alleviating pain points with clients, Mike, I've seen trucks in, out. I've seen Monica and Wolfie doing more huddling than I've ever seen in my years here. Um, right. So uh, what is Intech doing right now to respond? This is a good question. It's one that um, I think is a good topic for this because I think the more people understand what we're doing, it can help them understand how to help us help them. Okay. So I think the first thing we do, you know, we talked about understanding and communication. What that lets us do is prioritize the manufacturing sequence. So in any given week, we may have a place in order for Camores uh, that may have 30 or 40 different products. So 
one thing we spend a lot of time doing with the Camor supply chain is help them understand what sequence to, is most important. So which are the most critical products of those 30 or 40 based on um, sensitive application or market demand or, or just overall lack of material available in the supply chain. So that sort of stuff we never had to do pre pandemic, you know, pre shortage, you know, type thing, because everything would get made and get delivered on time by Comores basically. So we just knew if we placed an order, it generally was going to come in all the time. Um, now with the delays, it's important for us to help them understand what is the most important and most critical products out there. So that's, that's one thing we do. Uh, like I said, we talked about the stockpiling, um, you know, to help make sure that there is available material um, for those that need it. And, and where that comes into play is, is really trying to identify extra material for some of these sensitive applications. So, you know, what the sh uh, sales team and our business service team spends a fair amount of time doing is if we find out there's a shortage is calling our customers who have bought that coding in the last say four to six months to wow. understand, do they have any extra material? Even if it's a gallon, that might be, what we need or what our, what a customer needs to help keep a sensitive application moving forward. So that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's a, it's part of what our triage process is to help as many Ooh. people as we can. Oh, that's a good and word. Yeah. And it's, it is no additional revenue for us. We've already sold the gallon. So this isn't yeah. about, this is about helping people, you know, keep their businesses going and keep the economy and keep, essential business going. And, and so we view this as our responsibility and something that, you know, it's, it's part of our job and it's part of what we need to do to, to be a good supplier and good partner to our customers. See, I find it remarkable and it's got to be time consuming, but can I ask you this as far as that kind of outreach, making those calls and essentially trying to prevent stockpiling are, are most people understanding in your experience and uh, had good success with those calls? They really are Nick. And I think I think the reason being is you never know when you're going to be the one that's short on material. Right. So I feel like when we call somebody and say, Hey, I saw you bought 12 gallons three months ago. Do you need those? Or is that, is any of that just inventory that you're not using? People are really, really understanding. And if, and I, I think nature of the beast is if people have extra stuff, they're willing to help out. And so um, I, I think that's a nice a refreshing aspect of the coding industry is that we've seen people help each other out. And there's, there's in certain cities, say like uh, California, as an example, there's four coders all within a stone's throw of each other. Basically mm -hmm. they'll, they'll go to each other's shop and help each other out. If they, if something's in transit and they can't wait the week to get it from us, from the East coast, they'll go borrow a gallon from someone else and replace it. Or if they're short, they'll go buy a couple gallons from another person to help them through. And they, and they've, they're a great example of coders working together for yeah. the greater good. Um, not on a competitive, selfish nature, but just on a on overall goodwill to help help each other out. Because you never know when you're the one on the short end on because you forgot to place an order or that material just isn't in stock like you're used to it being. That's really admirable. It's really cool to, to know that that kind of relationship, a true communal relationship exists somewhere uh, out there on the business spectrum. Right. Uh, so we, we really have to, to uh, emphasize this, that, you know, communication, 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 yep. making that effort to reach out and keep that up. Finally, let's, let's go right to the audience here. Tell me uh, what a coder can do during times like these. All right. Um, pray. <laughs> uh, eat yeah. pray love yeah. we'll do them all in all seriousness i think you know it, the more we know the better so uh, things like prioritizing your jobs um 
that are sensitive in nature in understanding what they are and how much material will be needed to keep them going that and if, if we know that information that helps us in terms okay. of helping us to potentially change our orders or change our forecasts um, blanket orders kind of fit in with that too and and some people take advantage of this and i wish more would uh, some customers because a blanket order is a non-binding it's a basically a forecast that you're giving to us. And so a lot of people say, Hey, I need four gallons on the first of the month or 10 gallons or 40 gallons. You know, we don't care what it is, but that flags it in our system and we keep track of that. So when there is a shortage and we have limited material, blanket orders and back orders are the two things that have priority over everything else. So okay. blanket orders are a good thing to have. And so I'd really encourage if you have a job that you know is going to use a certain amount of material every month, let us know. And we can get that in the system and, and have that out in time and keep that material committed for you. Um, so that's that's the one thing is really prioritizing and understanding what materials are going to be steady state. The other thing is looking at some of these sensitive jobs and understanding what your options are. And what I mean by that is, is can you switch colors um, if one coating technology is out of stock? So if you're using 958203, can you use 958? 207. Can you switch to green or can you switch to 959-203, which is a little bit different? Um, you know, understanding what those options are, um, something like, especially in the powders, um, if you're used to using 532-7000, which has a sparkle, can you use 5010 or 5011, which are the same grades, but just a, no sparkle or different different particle size. So understanding what your options are, and that involves you working with your end user to understand what's acceptable to them. And maybe you have to get some stuff tested now and get some, get some alternate materials um, qualified now. So that, that way, if there is a shortage down the road, you're in a situation where you can, you can pivot and use an alternate material that's qualified and you're not starting from scratch when you're already out of material. So I think that those two things to me are, are the, are the biggest things that a coder can do to help themselves. And obviously talking with us, you know, that goes without yeah. saying, um, but just that communication thing for us helps us do a better job to help you. Excellent. Excellent. Very well said. And I think I, I started this thing. I apologize by firing a, a cannonball straight at you. So in this <laughs> scenario, uh, you know, I, I've got a magic eight ball. You've got a magic eight ball. Tell me when we get back to normal. Um, so when this all started kind of hitting the fan back in the spring, when we really started seeing shortages, we were thinking that it would be September or October and things would be back to normal. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not, it's not, yeah. it's basically, I feel like where we are now is the same as it was six months ago. Wow. So I really haven't seen much improvement in, in a lot of the materials, you know, in any segment for that matter. Um, I do see some light at the end of the tunnel. I, I do see some improvements being made and some more consistency amongst the suppliers of the raw materials to Camor. So I'm, I'm hearing some positive things. So that's encouraging. But I mean, I have to think that we're probably going to be first quarter of next year of 2022 before we see a significant improvement. I mean, it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be next month. December is always a drag because people start slowing down and not wanting to carry inventory. So I don't see it happening yeah. then. So it's got to be January, February, you know, March, maybe, um, you know, that, that's to me is a realistic, but there's so many factors that could all of a sudden turn March into June that are outside yeah. of all of our control and also outside of our, our understanding at this point. So it's, it's, I think we have to be ready for this to last. 
and yeah. and plan for the worst and then hope that it doesn't turn out that bad. Well, I, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate the, the 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 candor of your answer there because this and and for doing this particular show today on this particular topic because let's face it it is a pain point for many people but I truly believe that addressing it head on explaining it I, I think that makes a world of difference Mike so kudos to you man I appreciate it yeah, this is this is the honestly it's like it's never a good conversation it's a difficult conversation but I have to say I mean I have to really. Um, thank our customer base and, and their customers, the end users. Cause I've, I've been involved in more conversations over the last four or five, six months with customers about supply than I ever have probably in total in my whole career. Cause it was something that wow. we never had issues with. Um, but I, people are really understanding. They understand this. This isn't a Camores issue. This is, or an Intech issue. This is a, a big issue that's everywhere. Right. And so I think that understanding has helped to make the conversations uh, productive and, and, you know, non-emotional. And so I, I, I appreciate that from the customer base and from their customers. And um, the, the feedback that we've been getting helps us to, like we said, we want to be positioned and help people as much as we possibly can. So um, at any time, anybody, I, you know, I encourage anybody to contact me or anybody on our team to discuss your situation. Um, it's, it's what we're here to do. And it helps us do a better job. So, you know, I, I really appreciate the dialogue we've had and the understanding and um, the willingness to work with, with Intech and Comores to help turn what could be a bad situation, hopefully into something that's something that's um, acceptable and, and will be better as the supply chain strengthens in the near future. No doubt. Even if, even if the news isn't exactly what you want to hear you still got to deliver it you still right. have to communicate 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 and this particular platform helps us deliver that news and deliver more uh, hopefully to yeah. everybody out there listening well um, played hey man <laughs> well, i'm here no. uh i i wanted to uh to ask you two very important things uh before i let you go today mike uh one there's a guy in indianapolis uh carson wentz is he going to make it through Eight starts, 10 starts, 16 starts this season? Yeah, so as you know, I'm not an Eagles fan. So it's easy <laughs> for me to look at this one objectively. And I would say what, it's they, if he plays, what, eight games, he, they get a better pick. I yeah. think he's going to be under eight. I think, you're, I think that <laughs> conditional draft pick is not going to work out for you. Sorry, you, uh, any Colts fans out there, particularly Mike Clean and the team at Kiko, I know you guys are huge Colts fans. I think you're going to have a bad season. <laughs> I, I tend to agree and give me your give me your uh what are the ravens doing this year give me give me the record uh 11 and 6 Ooh, 11 and 6 yeah i had to factor in the extra game i almost went we all yeah we 11 all, and 6 11 and 6 all i think they're gonna win the afc north cleveland will be 11 and 6 also but lose a tiebreaker all right. There you have it from Mike. Listen, uh, to our audience, thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you for listening to this monthly podcast. It's allowed us to give you an inside look of what's going on here. We certainly appreciate that opportunity, but we really appreciate you chiming in. We've gotten some really, really nice emails. Yeah, as of we have. Thank you and all it, so much. And it helps us do a better job. So keep those emails coming. Um, and Mike, as you always say, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That's um, right. Because we, we have a great time doing it. Mike, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Nick. It was a lot of fun, man. It's good to get back in the saddle. Absolutely. Guys, we'll see you on the next Deliver More from Delahue, Delaware. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>